Hello and welcome to episode 275 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. No Alex Jones again this week. Um, I haven't got an exact excuse from him, actually. Um, If this episode does seem a bit jumbled, I had actually passed the reins over. Alex was going to host this episode, had it all planned out, and he kind of left it on us last minute. Um... (laughs) <laughs> so we've had to work around him, and that's the excuse I'm sticking with. Um, although an Alex-hosted episode does sound like carnage. I'm trying to get my head around what that would be, what, what that means. What would, his just... topic, what would this be his topics of choice, do you reckon? Your head would hurt afterwards, I think. Arsenal can't <laughs> lose ever again. Um, <laughs> why footballers need to have pudding. <laughs> and... The proper usage of a wetsuit. I was about to say the cons of running in a wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, one of those episodes today. I do have uh, minimal news of the week, actually. Not a lot has gone on this week, which usually means it's going to be a big, big week um, across the next seven days. Um, we will talk about Chelsea. We will talk about probably Spurs United. I feel we probably do owe that after jinxing Ronaldo into action last week. Um <laughs> An entire topic on whether United are better without him or not. And then he has a hat and he scores a hat trick. Um, back to our old ways. And then maybe we'll talk about Tom Brady returning and uh, Conlon Wood that took place on Saturday night. Anyway, news of the week. If we actually, before I do that, some housekeeping. No movie madness last week, but you will find this Thursday for the anniversary of The Godfather's release, The Godfather versus the business will be out on the feed you will find the first episode of rory's racing picks ahead of the cheltenham festival out now and each undecided yet whether it's going to be the evening before or the morning of his race picks will drop for cheltenham so uh, jack you can keep an eye out for that and uh, hopefully the rest of our audience too um and at rory ford four if you do want to pass on any of your regards or uh Anything else, actually, depending on how the week goes. Um, we won't put his address on. No, no, not not yet. I'll see how, I'll see how my Tuesday goes. Uh, anyway, news of the week. A snake is eyed as the culprit in a man's death until cops realise it can't pull a trigger. <laughs> I would love to have seen the light bulb moment. <laughs> Batman had to come down there and tell them, look, lads, you're doing this all wrong. I've got Good this. old American police work. Um, a fan spent £500,000 on Brady's last touchdown oh, ball be hours before his return to the NFL was announced. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be asking for reimbursement there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be uh, going very far. That worth must have gone down, but it must be yeah. worth like 1% of... Ugh. Well, last touchdown ball before his first retirement doesn't have the same ring to it as uh, before his retirement. Um, Even if he'd retired for a period of time, but he didn't. He just had the yeah. summer off. <laughs> he has a Floyd retirement. Well, it was like saying I've retired from podcasting for a week. Yeah. <laughs> on the fi- on the fi- in the last yeah. six days, I haven't been part of one. Jack has done that a few times. So has Sean. <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side, though, imagine being the seller. How happy you'd be. Yeah, you're over the moon. Um, escaped petting zoo camel attacks and kills two men in Tennessee. 
Why? How'd you get killed by a camel? Why is there a camel in a petting zoo? <laughs> I don't ask so many questions. I, I would have that was actually that way of getting around the zoo. He wasn't. He was working. I would have thought you'd been able to get away from a camel. They don't strike me as the most agile or fast. No, unless they've just got a good PR agent like we've done with hippos previously. Like the best publicists in the game they had. Maybe camels uh, have the same. Um, this is in the game. Yeah. Well, hippos, <laughs> they, they tried selling them when we were younger as nice, yeah, friendly yeah, yeah. animals. And then, yeah, I saw a video of them uh, eating a whole watermelon the other day. And oh, I was fretful seeing how far into the mouth um, the hand was going before they let go of the watermelon. Um, by the last one, they were just chucking them in. Jeez. Uh, the the real news of the week here, there are five fewer Doritos per bag now, thanks to inflation. Oof. So, RIP. Um, man marries triplets after sisters propose polygamous union. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, what a messed up family. Yeah. They, all, they all want the same guy. Yeah, that, that is actually the, the full news of the week. But I did want to bring something up. So um, I went to the Arsenal game yesterday and there's a guy, I think I've mentioned it before, there was a phase, like no matter what sporting event I went to in London, this guy was outside and he's got a megaphone and he's preaching the word of God. Um, but it got to the point, I went to uh, England, New Zealand in a rugby league friendly <laughs> match and he was outside the London stadium. Like it was freakish. I said to my uncle yesterday, I wonder if he's going to be back again. Um, see him outside the Emirates. And I don't know if he's maybe got a publicist or someone because he changed his tone slightly. He was previously <laughs> more of the, look, subscribe to the good word of God now or you will perish, you blah, blah, blah. Yesterday, I heard him saying that if you experience a bump in your life, consider that God giving out bookings on the field of life. <laughs> and to see these as a warning and know that you only get so many warnings in your life before <laughs> before the inevitable can Just happen so, for the audience. so yeah the tone was still there but yeah bookings on the field of life one is a slightly good punchline um, but also <laughs> he, he does not look the part it was like someone said like you need to zhuzh this up a bit and he, he's just gone <laughs> completely with it <laughs> So there we go. Um, that is your news of the week. Now, Jack, I did get a almost begging text from you on Wednesday. <laughs> I think it was when the news dropped. Um, amongst everything else that was going on, I, I texted you to say, look, something separate to Chelsea. Um, they say that they're going to bring in time travel into the latest Indiana Jones film. And you replied and said pretty much that look, you can't take any more like <laughs> non-stop Chelsea messages and you, you just need a break. This is the issue of being one of the only Chelsea fans that most people know. I think you've got a Chelsea fan mate and I am the only Chelsea fan mate of all of my mates. So I woke up that day and my phone just blew up. Every single group chat, me acid in it. And I mean about... 30 from work sports and just general ones that I haven't left from years ago and even the ones that I haven't left from years ago I'm being tagged in it as it I haven't spoken there for years and they've just seen that I'm in it 
I just can't say much more than this. Um, <laughs> I... like if it was if this happens in Liverpool, it'd be a little bit easier because there's a united front there, whereas I am taking the full brunt of it from most of my pals. You're the spokesperson for Chelsea. Yeah, and that's literally I'm we. Like the new I... You're I'm a, if someone knows a Ukrainian, it's like, so how are things about there? I'm not speaking for everyone here. <laughs> yeah. I tried getting Roman on. Um, he's understandably hard to contact. So Jack is actually the next great <laughs> spokesperson Chelsea have. When I sat in the barber's chair on Saturday, he's a Chelsea fan and he was complaining similarly. He was like, people I've not spoke to for years are popping up to talk shit about Chelsea to me. And literally about 30 seconds later, this guy came in and he went, fuck me, I haven't seen you in a while. Your club's having a shitter, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, mate. I think a, bar, a, Chelsea barber, <laughs> a Chelsea fan who is a barber is probably up there with one of the worst professions you could have at this point of time. But he can't even hide either. He's got like Champions League trophies, uh, like stickers, Danny's mirror, and giving it all of it. And I think that every time I've been in the last couple of weeks, he's been giving it the we've won it all, um, which, which nobody we, ever needs to hear again. I know, but we just to state for the record, we have indeed won it all. Well, where's your conference league? <laughs> your stooped as low as to get a Europa, so that's the next thing. Um, but maybe <laughs> with a points deduction, you never know. Um, so I thought I'd take a bit of a different approach here, Jack, because I'm sure you've got a lot to get off your chest rather than me educate uh, our listeners on every last fact to do with this if i just kind of outline it and then maybe we'll quiz you and get your take on uh, yeah, all things to do with the situation so earlier in the week roman abramovich was sanctioned by the uk government over russia's continuing invasion of neighboring ukraine um, plunging the club's future into doubt uh, it was described by the UK government as, uh, sorry, he was described by the UK government as a pro-Kremlin oligarch and was hit with an asset freeze and a travel ban. Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries, who hopefully will be the last time we mention her on here, um, <laughs> said that Chelsea had been issued with a special licence that will allow them to fulfil their fixtures and for staff to be paid and existing ticket holders to attend matches. Um, the sale of the club can effectively now only progress if Abramovich is able to prove to the UK government that he will not personally benefit from the transaction. A government document that was published on Thursday claimed that Abramovich has had a close relationship for decades with the Russian president, uh, Vladimir Putin. They say this association has included obtaining a financial benefit or other material benefit from Putin and the government of Russia. So, Jack, I guess the first thing to mention with this is it wasn't particularly surprising. About two weeks before, the government tried to avoid this and did a, you know, you should probably think about getting rid of these things because we're warning now we might be sanctioning a number of high-profile Russians yeah. and effectively passing it over to in a custodianship that, by yeah. all legal terms, meant nothing wasn't enough. So... Just so there's no wires crossed, I need to kind of just say straight off, straight off the bat that I believe that it's completely correct that Russians should be sanctioned and especially oligarchs should be sanctioned as part of this conflict in the invasion of Ukraine. So just so there's no muddy <laughs> water there whatsoever, I completely agree with it. Now We'll see how that <clears> holds <throat> up in the next 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem we've got here is that... So, if you look at the EU, the way that they approached this, which was by sanctioning Russians pretty much straight away, whereas 
I, funny enough, do a lot of reading on this subject in particular because I find it fascinating of the construction of London grad, as they call it, where there's just so much money in London and it's just a wash with Russian influence. Um, and because of that, if they had sanctioned straight away, the whole, a, a lot of the housing market in London would have crashed straight away. And it's because they didn't do this, because if you look at the... <clears throat> The, don- the donations to yeah. the government, especially from Russians, that's why they didn't do it straight away. It's exactly what you said of, right, we're going to give you two weeks' notice. Get all your money out now um, before there's too much of, a, of an issue. So it's kind of a, a false sanction there in, in its start. I mean, you look at Jacob Rees-Marv, where he removed all of his shares from the Russian Investment Bank the day before they announced they might yeah. sanction people, which <laughs> just cries corruption. So moral high ground-wise, the kind of ribbon attacks at Chelsea because of this is just from the government itself is just completely laughable in my eyes now we knew it was coming and we know I mean the problem is when it says oh it's been close to Putin for years correct I mean the oligarchical system in Russia where obviously when the dissolution of um, Soviet Union back in say the 80s and all of the state-owned assets across the whole of the Soviet Union became just ownerless, essentially. So bandits would just round up all of these helicopters and planes and oil companies and claim them for, for their own because it's just a lawless society free for all. And that's how these oligarchs became so rich and they had so much power over the, the prime minister at the time or president at the time, Yeltsin, who retired in 99 because of it, because of all this power. And the first thing Putin did was get the oligarchs back in line by giving them favourable contracts. And then in return, they, they all kicked up to him so instead of the oligarchs having power of the government, it was the other way around, Putin having power of the oligarchs. He was the Russian now, Tony Soprano. Pretty much. He is exactly that figure. Um, so when they say he was close to Putin for 10 years, you're as close as you are to a, a mafia boss. It's, you're as useful as you are in that relationship. Soprano's been a pretty decent comparison there. He is the goffer. I mean, you look at Putin, he's been evil. He's assassinated people. You look at Alexander Litvinenko in say 2003 I think it was poison with polonium in London there's that photo of him in the bed with no hair and you look at the Salisbury when the biography or the most high profile biography on Putin was written it was described as a father and son relationship between Putin and Abramovich I'm not denying that at all he was he was allowed to live in a Kremlin flat whilst he was young he was given a his stakes in the nickel company or the steel company ever as I think for 100 million which was actually worth about 2 billion so yes there is that however if you look down the line and i'm not saying that he's, he's unsanctionable because of this i'm just saying this is the story of what happened where abramovich came further and further away from putin as the years went on because of this reason um they say that he went and bought chelsea as a kind of hide in plain sight safety net of i am this high profile of the owner of this football club you cannot whack me um, which when I found, when it all kind of, kind of broke and we were playing Luton in the FA Cup and the pundits were getting at large, like, well, we need to hear from Abramovich. He needs to come out and denounce <laughs> Putin. I was like, you don't understand that if he comes out and denounces Putin and he's also ousted from the West, he's dead. He's never going to do that as much as he, as you want him to. So that was never going to happen. I think when they say, oh, politics should stay out of football, this kind of blew that out of the water a little bit. Where it's impossible just, to, isn't it? Yeah, gave their 2P on it, which is exactly right, but completely unfounded in most cases. So we knew it was coming. 
and we were worried, um, worried about the debt that we owe Abramovich, which yeah. he came out in his personal statement beforehand when he decided to, inverted commas, step back as the custodian of Chelsea. Um, that he was going to seek no profit and all profit was going to be donated to the conflict in Ukraine and he was going to make it an easy sell or whatever. So if he was allowed to do so, then maybe this this could have been avoided a little bit. I think the government were right to seize, but afterwards, wrong on the way they've approached it, afterwards, where they've kind of left a lot of ambiguity and blurred lines of, oh, you're not going to be able to finish the season. Oh, you might be able to finish the season. Oh, we're not going to give you enough to police your own games. Oh, actually, you know, we might do that. And then it turns out that if a takeover goes ahead, it could be just business as usual. So I think it's a lot of hysteria and media furore that's been whipped up by the Tory government. So one cover up the amount of Russian donations have been in their own party because everyone is talking about this. And rightly so people should talk about this, but people need to talk about the Russian money in the Tory party as well. And London Grad is just a as a whole, when you look at streets in Knightsbridge and Fulham being brought and uh, bought up by Russian oligarchs and not even occupied, just left there empty as cash laundering initiatives or just waiting for the prices to rise in London as they usually do and make billions because they own entire streets in London. Well, I guess what we what what we'll do here is we need to talk about the Chelsea fans reaction to it because that's the main thing that I guess we have a yeah. foot in yeah. and what the best and worst case scenario is moving forward. So you understandably, I'd say you've been particularly defensive as not as defensive as some Chelsea fans I've seen, which I do somewhat get, and it's not a, it's not an original take but it's effectively like siege mentality stuff isn't it like West Ham fans were singing about Zuma despite the fact the majority of them I would hope wouldn't go around kicking cats but they felt (laughs) that the response was uh, on the club as much as it was Zuma so they felt they had to do that Chelsea in slightly more grim circumstances have done it previously with the accusations um, after the fan wasn't let on the underground in Paris and various other things through the years where you turn it, I mean, Millwall are literally founded on it, aren't they? Everyone yeah. hates us, we don't care. And it's yeah. like, well, there's probably a few more reasons than us just <laughs> meaninglessly hating you. Yeah. Um. So if we do the kind of morality side of it first, because very quickly the Chelsea response has been, well, Newcastle have dodgy owners too. And why aren't you caring about them? And I think... You may have said this, I may be putting words in your mouth, is no one cared about this last week, two weeks, three weeks ago. People have cared about Roman's money and where it comes from for the best part of 20 years. It's no. just, you're not waking up every morning saying, I can't believe that dirty money they've got because we'd all be going mad if we were doing that. Yeah. Che- the, the money within Chelsea has been an issue since Roman took over. I think that hasn't been looked into as deeply um, until now, obviously, for obvious reasons. It's been used as a stick to beat us with for a while. So we've kind of doubled down on it and just been like, well, we don't care. Um, Or whatever. No one gets as rich as football owners do without skeletons in the closet, without underhanded tactics. It just does not happen. You'll be able to find the same in most places. Now, it's not so much 
like, if the way you look at it, people have looked at Roman's money for like seven twenty, but what they haven't done, they haven't been to get Roman now. Yeah, <laughs> there, there hasn't been a reason um, to read really that far into it because up until the invasion of Ukraine, his money was as good as anyone else's. It was given in dodgy Russian contracts in in a country that wasn't our own. It's effectively, so we... don't make us look into this. We don't want to do yeah. it. Don't make yeah. us look at this. And, and and that is the Tory government in a nutshell when it comes to Russian money and influence. Um, but at the same time, the way I look at it is that Chelsea have been blasted by pundits, by journalists, by other fans, almost as if we were part of the decision-making of invading Ukraine. We're just sat there being hated, which we used oh, to. Come on. <laughs> I've you, seen. When, when you're at your games and you're singing Rowan Abramby's name and the reaction directly from Chelsea fans wasn't, no, we get where this is, we get where this is. It was very much, look, what are you taking out on us? Roman, there's people online saying, well, look, Roman was willing to let NHS staff stay at Stamford Bridge during the pandemic. Roman has donated money here and there, directly ignoring the point of where the money comes from and why he's doing it. This has literally been a clinic on sports washing. The fact that there are people justifying his character now is the exact reason why people are doing this and why you're having the owners in Newcastle, etc., pumping their money through it because people will blindly attach themselves to you as long as you're wearing their badge. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I don't disagree with that. I think that's right. I think the fans that sung Roman Abramovich, his name, through... The minute applause for Ukraine was absolutely ridiculous. And there's another banner it, there, while well, the banner at least was still there yesterday, the Roman it, Empire one. Yeah, that banner's always been there, and they probably still just hasn't had the forethought to take it down because those <laughs> those banners aren't put out before games; they're left there constantly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's no one's real responsibility apart from the stadium staff to be able to do so. And I imagine the stadium staff haven't been working this week, so that's probably why. Um, however, the chanting of the Brumbridge's name through the minutes of applause for Ukraine was just just disgusting. And as soon as it happened, I just my heart sank. I was like, look what you've just done, you fucking imbeciles. Like, they didn't do one the game yesterday, did they? Because I guess they knew. It's just ridiculous because that alone, if you'd sung Roman's name it during the game, then you can kind of suggest that look, he's given us the best 20 years we've ever seen. There's a there's a case of we don't care where the money's from. Look at this, what we've seen. And that's the non-morality point. But to sing it through the designated applause was just stupid and disgusting and abhorrent. And it's one of those where you know that now you're going to get as tired with all of this. <laughs> like, we are now, whoever supports Chelsea is someone, even if they weren't there, was someone who would sing Roman's name through the minute applause. So, I mean... There are these fans in most fan bases. Yeah, yeah. It seems that we have a higher proportion than some others, maybe in the older generation. Um, well, no, I mean, it's it's not it's not a strictly Chelsea thing. It's like uh, in various different examples. I can remember Aaron Ramsey being booed back at Stoke after he had his leg broken. I can remember <laughs> Evra being booed at Anfield after being abused by Suarez. And these things yeah. are very much just football fans and there being a selection of them in, in each fan base. With Chelsea, what we've seen this week, and a lot of it, and a, a lot of these uh, high-profile Chelsea accounts are either just purposely being stupid or they know how to get the interactions, and it's probably somewhere in between. Mm. But the whole, um, 
well, look, your issues with Roman, don't take it out on us, is kind of just being ignorant to the fact that you can't punish Roman without punishing Chelsea. Like, that you are directly tied just as you're directly tied in the success you've had. Yeah, no, I I think the tweet that rattled me, because I took a lot of it, because a lot of it is factual. A lot of it is, you know what, that makes sense. Um, but one of them was Chelsea fans should all feel ashamed of all the trophies they've won in the last 20 years. I think it was Matt Law that wrote that. And I just lost my head. I think Alex is similar. Yeah. And I just thought... Was it not the one you saw, isn't it, him saying we shouldn't have to? And it's like most people weren't saying you should unless they were just trying to provoke a reaction. I think his tweet was like three points. One, it shouldn't have happened. Two, something else. Three, Chelsea fans shouldn't be made to feel ashamed because of... So I've not seen many people saying that. No, it wasn't shouldn't. It was they sh- they should be ashamed because I read read the article, and it's it stated. Maybe I've got a different tweet in mind, but what the guy who looks like super hands? I think so. I, he's, I, he's a Chelsea. He's a Chelsea. He's a Chelsea columnist. I know. I'll have to go back and have a look at it. But there was other tweets to the same ilk of that, or the statement yeah. of that. And I shouldn't be made made to feel ashamed for having some of the best moments of my life, share with the best people in my life, um, watching us win things. Now, yes, the money factor, up until January, say, before the conflict started, like, it's just the same kind of standard of dirty money as every other club in this Premier League. You look at Man City with Qatari ownership, that money, that regime in general, which is completely state-owned, don't tar us with that brush. I'm just saying. But if you look at Newcastle as well, the reason why Newcastle is a direct comparison because they're state-owned by an oppressive regime that have been bombing their neighbours the last four years, causing hundreds of thousands of deaths. It is, but Chelsea fans very quickly changed when the news broke today that there's a Saudi bid for Chelsea. That's not government-owned, though, is it? No, that, Jack, Jack, Jack. The, the Newcastle thing, they said the exact same thing when they were buying the club. If you look and go back, there is an exact statement that says... There's Without, the there's the no direct link to the government. The Newcastle shirt. I mean, come on. Um, and you're going to be if 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 they do buy Chelsea, and I'm hesitant to believe that will go through. You're going to have their airline on the front of your shirts and be promoting visiting it's, Saudi. Like it's the exact I'm, same thing. The I'm same not, guys who are involved in I'm, Newcastle are involved in Chelsea. He's going to have not, to withdraw his stake. I'm not making the point that we shouldn't be had to go out, go and have a go at Newcastle. I'm pointing out the fact that. Look, Farman is dirty. There's definitely is. Sanction us both if you really want to. Um, <laughs> well, all, they get 20 the, years of it first. Yeah. And I'm then not, we take them out. I'm not making the point that we shouldn't be sanctioned. I'm making the point that if you looked deep enough into every club's finances, you'll find enough to sanction every club or every owner in the Aren't premise. City and Newcastle mm. both doing, they're not bringing it over here, which is exactly the issue that they've had with Chelsea is that, you've brought your troubles over here to the point where you're forcing their hand. What do you mean as in bringing the troubles over here? So the fact that Chelsea are in the UK, Abramovich has close ties to Putin, or so we're told, and so the issue is directly on our doorstep. You can't have a business owned by Roman Abramovich operating on UK soil and say that his issues haven't followed him over here. It's If if, if there was issues... So the argument here is that because they're bombing a country miles away from us, it's different. Is that the argument? But then, also, that's what 
You're also well, talking like they're like it's the Prem that sanctioned them. It's not. It's the government that sanctioned them. The government that sanctioned them because of the situation in Ukraine. I know. I now, get that. I absolutely do think they shouldn't be supporting the Saudi regime bombing Yemen. That absolutely shouldn't be happening. But as it is, they are. So it's not like the Prem couldn't go right sanction them in the no. same way as you said. All the owners are a bit dodgy. That, that, if that, no, I, some I people don't pay the tax, it's not quite the same thing, is it? No, I, I agree with that. And it's it's sometimes the, it's the devil that you know, the devil that you're working with. Like, we are going to need our oil and gas from somewhere now because Russia can't supply it. Well, however, they're not going to supply it for the next, We're going to give them a year's grace to not buy any oil from them, which is ridiculous. Um, but we've gone, sent envoys already over to Saudi and the Arab Emirates and baked for gas and oil supply to make up for the Russian one. So that's why there will never be a bad word said about them, even if they are bombing their closest neighbours. But it's the hypocrisy side of it. Of look, There's exactly the same situation going on over there, but because you need their gas and oil, you're not going to do anything about it. And I'm not saying, again, I make the point, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be sanctioned. I'm saying there could be other ways around this that doesn't affect the day-to-day running of the club. Um, and the hysteria and the furore whipped up against the club in general, I think, is for the dirty money, inverted commas, going through, you could direct a lot of the same the same insults at many other different clubs as well. But we are the hot topic at the moment because of Putin. At the same time, I, I think that I think it has. I think Newcastle, when they were getting taken over, were getting this. This is dirty money. Once. Sorry? He got rejected the first time around. Yeah, and that was entirely just due to the piracy issue, wasn't it, in Qatar? Yeah. But the the whole thing was when that takeover was happening, we, we were saying, well, this shouldn't be happening. We know what's going on in Saudi. We shouldn't be allowing them in. But they did. So the whole thing is they shouldn't have been allowed to be taken over. City shouldn't have upon reflection. And Chelsea shouldn't have been by Abramovich back in the day. But the league allowed it to happen. So that's where I, I do have some sympathy for what I say, but I can't entirely blame the facts because it should have been the league should have protected it. The whole fit and proper person's test obviously isn't even worth the paper it's written on. Uh, yeah. The, the Matt Law tweet, by the way, says, I feel deeply uncomfortable with some Chelsea fans rushing to defend Abramovich and claim agenda. B, I don't think it's fair to try and make Chelsea fans ashamed for celebrating their trophies under him. C, I'll almost certainly regret tweeting this. I bet he did. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably did. It's not, so you said about kind of, you shouldn't be made to feel ashamed and all of this. I, I put a tweet in our group chat that said, if you're a fan of a club owned by sports washers, you get owners willing to spend the earth to buy your team success. And in return, you just have to hear about it once in a while. It's a pretty good deal upon reflection and not one you should really be claiming victimship over. I'm not saying it's victimship. I'm saying it's hypocrisy. Like, for example, one of the if, if, you get the good side, if you get the good yes. side, Roman, now take the bad side. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, for example, is that one of the main mouthpieces, and I, again, I, I shouldn't be judging it on this guy because of obvious reasons, but Piers Morgan, who is absolutely going hell for leather for Chelsea when a couple of months ago he was tweeting, I wish Abramovich, Abramovich would buy our club. <laughs> so yeah. that's the level of hypocrisy we're dealing with. And again, I, I can take so much of it um, because that's life, you know, there is hypocrisy everywhere. Um, and again, it's the, the Saudi connection. I'm not making the point that you shouldn't be sanctioned us go and look at them. Just saying it from a hypocrisy standpoint, if we're really that serious about washing money, it was this isn't about washing money and just not just attacking Chelsea 
because it's an opportunity to do so, then go and look into them as well. But then that's that's the thing. That's the, the telling thing you've said there, though, is there's a feeling amongst the Chelsea fans that this is an attack on the club. Yeah. And it is an attack on the club. It's an attack on Russia. And the, the hypocrisy around why do we why are we bothered about Russia attacking Ukraine when we're not bothered about other countries attacking uh, their neighbouring countries is a fair one. But the idea that it's a reflection on an attack on Chelsea is not just a bit mad, but it's arrogant in the extreme because it's kind of like the universe centres around our club, which I, I get I, from a from a fan's point of view. I absolutely understand. It's kind of like people with a kid, right? When they can't really comprehend that we don't give a shit about your kid, but to them, yeah. it's their entire world. It's like, that's lovely. We don't give a fuck about your kid. Yeah. And it's exactly right. the same with football clubs. When people say they have like an agenda, there's an agenda against their club. It's like, really, in, my, in your mind, that might be, but there's much bigger things going on. Well, the against my, us. My case, exactly that. That's a, my, my, my case of this is that his revenue stream hasn't changed in 20 years. It's been exactly the same. It's been Everaz um, and that nickel company that he was the majority shareholder in. That obviously has ties to Putin because it's government contracts. It's the biggest contract for steel or nickel production in Russia. So you'd expect them to yeah, be. Yeah, providing... he's been dodgy for the you know yeah, the whole exactly. time, hasn't he? It's not like exactly. he's just overnight become a exactly. dodgy guy. Exactly. Like we know that. And like I said in in our group chat, I can't choose who buys Chelsea. I, I have no say in it whatsoever. <laughs> um, so... Be great if you did get a vote. So, You're very. Uh, some Chelsea fans are trying to go that way now and say they should have a stake on the board, which is a horrible move for any football club. My point being, though, is that the level of, like, for example, the, the questions that Thomas Tuchel was being asked, for example, or was being asked until he lost his mind um, <laughs> in the press conference last week. I uh, think he's been fantastic too. Yeah, I think everyone's brilliant. thinking and, that, aren't they? He's great. Yeah, he's been awesome and fucking love the bloke. Some of the media are getting heat from that, but kind of they've got to ask someone at the club, and no, and the club aren't putting anyone else front and centre, so he's getting shafted by his own club. Here. You see Eddie Howe get asked yesterday. Yeah, and then he's like, "I don't want to talk about that," and then that's where it was left because it's again. But again, it, they'll probably bring it up again, and then they'll just do it enough until people go, "Oh, can we just stick to the football?" And that's yeah. what it'll be. I was like, "Why did these?" And I've, I said this at the same time as the Newcastle takeover when we did the pod. I said, "I can't." For the life of me, understand when people are fuming that journalists ask questions. Like, that is literally the job. If they yeah. don't ask about it, it seems it, baffling. No, to there's me. some that when Tuchel was being asked, like, well, what are your thoughts on the situation in Russia? And it's and he had to say, like, I don't know what more you want me to say. I've answered the question yeah. three times. Like, yeah, there's there's, exactly. there's, there's only so questions that can be asked in terms of what's it like working under this and all of those. It should be kept entirely to your club's involvement of, of whatever degree. So are you, the general idea about the war is like, what the hell is he supposed to do with that? Are you ashamed on having Roman as an owner now, Jack? Um, no. I, I, I know the answer. If, yeah. If if I wasn't ashamed twenty years ago, I'm not going to be ashamed. It now. was. It's like uh, you've got a girlfriend selling pictures on OnlyFans, and you've been happy to spend the cash that she's raking in <laughs> from doing it. But at the same time, you're like, look, don't don't describe my girlfriend as just being on OnlyFans. <laughs> he's bored in that. Frank, by the way, so he's got some nerve. <laughs> I bet I've never guy. seen you know anything mean? like <laughs> it. I did. I did think this. We've seen photos of him with his nose up his missus' arse on Roman's yacht. I, I've I've read uh, my thoughts on Frank, regardless of the way they might come across on here. I've said on here before. 
absolutely loved him. Every England shirt I've ever had until he retired, had his name on the back. Number eight would always be the other one I put on there. Loved him. Read his autobiography. He's got about two chapters dedicated to the fun times he had on Roman's yacht because effectively <laughs> the prize, wasn't it? Your player of the season or top goal scorer, and he just happened to be both most of the time. You got to take your missus or whatever on Roman's yacht across the summer break. And he's on there saying what a lovely bloke Roman is and the fun times they had together and how their families get on and they'd be going out for dinner and all sorts. So now we'll be going, look, we just know each other in a strictly professional capacity. So, I don't, so bad. I don't, At least JT just went with it. He said, hey, look, he's the boy. Yeah. <laughs> JT just does not care. I've got to give him that. Like, I don't know if, if he it, doesn't. I just think he's thick. It's like a competition <laughs> between him and Cave on Sky Sports as to who can be on the worst side of history more times. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's had a head start, admittedly. <laughs> between ape NFTs and oh god, sticking up for Roman. Oh, the value of those, by the way, I saw ninety percent. They've dropped in Plummeted. the likes of Tab. Yeah, there's a big thing on the Athletic about the value of them and the footballers that um, were promoting them. Tammy was one, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and another of them, they've just quietly deleted their tweets promoting it. <laughs> yeah, the value is now below 10% of what it was when he was selling them. Oh, no. Wow. Fair play. And I'm sure he doesn't give a damn. No. Yeah. I'm sure he'll get by. It's Chelsea fans are in a precarious situation because, as you said, it does feel a bit, if you've been back in Roman for the last 20-plus years, and, I mean, you've had to defend his place in your club across, well, since, what, 2003? Um, mm-hmm. It does feel very much now like you're almost... It's very difficult now to say, look, I had no clue what was going on. So now that I do know, look, I disagree with it. Because if, if you didn't know, you didn't want to know. So you are in an awkward situation, but it's almost like you just have to put your hand up and say, yeah, look, you got me. Let's see where we go from here. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's the camp I'm in. I like, like I said, from the geopolitical issues of Russian money in the UK economy, I've actually, for for some reason, knew a lot about this beforehand. Which don't ask me why, because I don't. Well, know I can that. say when Jack was, we were messaging on Saturday, I think it was, and um, I know you mean business when it says that you're recording rather than the messages yeah. coming through. <laughs> and the first voice note started, um, I've been doing a lot of uh, research into the structure of the oligarchs and I thought, blimey, <laughs> we mean business here. The oligarchical hierarchy, it was the term I think I used. But but yeah, no, I've, for some reason, it's a subject I know too much about. Like, well, I remember, I think what it was, I was working in London um, about four years ago and I walked through the locks by Tower Bridge and I saw Abramovich's yacht moored there. And it was bigger than the buildings opposite it. And it had <laughs> two helicopters on the back of it. And I was just stood there and all like, how much does that cost? And how has he got that money? And I think I started reading into it from there. And that's when I went into all the other stuff. The, it's more like an ocean the, liner, isn't it? Than just it, a standard yacht. It's not a yacht. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's got two compartments at the front that open up where yachts come out of so they can do day day excursions and have to moor the big ocean liner thing because it's, it's just insane or for the past um 20 years it's almost been like a reflex um of chelsea fans if you have to ever question their ownership and it would usually be 
just saying you you bought your success or whatever that we've heard for Man City as well. And the auto response is, well, you'd love to have our owners. You take our owners if you could have them. And the response from most fans has always pretty much been, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying we wouldn't, but we don't have those owners. So we're going to criticise you for you having them. Yeah. And so Chelsea fans being surprised that people are kind of dancing on their graves this week. I don't... I mean, quite naive I mean, in some cases. I was, I was about to say, I'm not naive enough to sit here and tell you that if this was happening to any one of your clubs, I wouldn't be doing the exact same. No, I had it at work. Someone said, is it not football fans stick together? And I was like, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe if this was happening with... Bury or something like that. Yeah. Or, even or Derby or whatever. Yeah, if this was happening, yeah, with maybe a nicer club, if it was happening with Chelsea, if it was happening with Spurs, if it was, up, if it was Spurs, in fact, my mood would probably be angry because if I see any of these sanctions maybe uh, going away or I see you getting nice new owners, I'd probably be more and more angry. So I'd have a <laughs> more emotional investment to it. I think, but, yeah, sorry, mate. I was going to say Chelsea going from Roman as owners to potentially falling on their face into Saudi ownership would be the most Chelsea thing that I can ever imagine happening. And so I very much hope you do end up with like the Jets. So I think you were linked with the owner of the Kings, which would be a dream. (laughs) I think like this, I said this earlier, and I said this to a few people, that you better hope that we go bankrupt or go down or anything. (laughs) Because I promise you, if we get signed by someone richer than Roman with a looser budget, I will be fucking unbearable. Well, I had Um, 606 on on the way back from the game yesterday. And there was a, a woman on talking about Chelsea, one of the worst people I've ever heard, to be honest. And she was going, oh, well, how are you doing? And she's going, well, I don't know. Are you just flicking the news on every hour at the moment, just wondering if you can have a club anymore. And so we've kind of got to the <laughs> bottom that they're not just going to let no. the club go down. It'd be a horrible look on the government's part if they allowed that to happen. Well, this is exactly it. Where the more likely option than not is that, Roman Branovich gets the club taken off him. It's then sold to some Saudi consortium or some consortium in general. Um, yeah. And we carry on exactly how we were with well, what, new money coming in. What she and, kept saying. And the what... new stadium, probably, because Roman hasn't been allowed in the country for the last oh, like, four the years. Since the Salisbury poisonings. So he'd actually in, probably invest in the new stadium. So we'd probably get a bigger stadium out of it. What I've seen constantly from Chelsea fans, and she kept saying it yesterday, was. I just hope we don't get a new owner in that just wants to run us at a profit. And it's like, well, you're ignoring the exact reason of why you're able to spend the money you were is because all good businessmen pretty much are looking to run any business at a profit. Like, yeah. It's a function. And clubs like Arsenal and Liverpool and the others who, whether you like the owners or not, are certainly uh, in far greater standing than Chelsea's or City's or Newcastle's. Um, they're taking losses, but they're then having to cut their spending because of the losses they're taking rather than Chelsea in, in the midst of a pandemic because of the way they're run as a business. We're able to spend almost double the amount of the next highest earners. There is a context to that of transfer ban the season before and like. But in a year when everyone was having to rely on loans with obligations, etc., Chelsea, in most cases, a business wouldn't have been able to spend like that. Um, mm, I mean, don't think, like I said, because we, I mean, you're right. I'm not going to sit and tell you you're not. Chelsea structurally are, are run at a loss when you compare it to Arsenal, Liverpool, United, 
yeah. because you don't bring in the same amount of money with ticket sales, because you don't bring in the same amount of money with merchandising, and so the, just the because way, the way, the way you chuck money about. Yeah, the way it works is that the reason why Roman Abramovich wants us to be so successful and why he doesn't mind spending on players is because he will loan Chelsea the money to spend it on the players and then he will take the return. Well, it is clean cash. He's not even trying to make a profit out of it, is he? No. And he'll take whatever return he just can get. Just loves the club. That's all. Nothing as, else. <laughs> just loves as, the club. As clean cash. And I don't think I do believe he, he loved the club and <laughs> he loves the way it ran. I mean, he, he was invested. In every, he was at most games, which most owners weren't, before he was banned from the country, obviously. He was at every final. He was at the women's final. He, grew, he invested massively into the women's team. And I know the money is dubious. Don't get me wrong. I was fucking just playing up dirty. But the amount of community initiatives he did in, in the community, in and around London, with food banks, and you can prove the whole working. thing was for the exact reason of I know, I know his name sweet. Like. I know it was. And I know it was. <laughs> this this is, if we go back to the Sopranos, this is uh, Tony running a little thing in the Bada Bing, getting yeah. uh, him dressing up as Santa and dishing out presents because you keep yourself looking good in the community and everyone else turns a blind eye to whatever you're doing. And I'm not naive enough to sit here and tell you you're wrong because you're not, but you still did those things. Well, yeah, but it's like if I go and mug an old lady in the, in the street and then buy my mum a nice birthday present with it, but this is, 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 the, is the response, well, but, but look, at, you, look at the present you, you just got his mum. When you say dirty money, though, for example, right, the, the dirty thing I'm about the money is was state-given contracts in his own country. Where if he didn't do it, someone else would. And I'm not saying... We're competing the bingo here. Yeah? <laughs> my, my point is, is that you're not going and mugging an old lady in the street. You're taking money from... Well, just, by that, just, by that just basis, like can I not go and the old lady's lady because and the someone like, else how, might do it? How do you think people get rich in this country? Well, we're not... We're not... Yeah, that's, that's separate, <laughs> no, but, no, but you're saying the... The got the, the ill part of the ill-gotten gains here is different to what we like have a standard I'm saying in this country. Because you for. spend the money nicely doesn't no, mean that. doesn't mean that it's okay. So what's your issue with the actual money? I'm saying that if you obtain the money horribly just because you spend it on nice things. So doesn't suddenly horrible... mean that that money hasn't been obtained horribly. But what I'm saying is the obtention of horribly, as you say, what part... you, you you ran through it at the start. What he part... was essentially running a mafia-like system to round up the contracts and cozy up to the government, no, and then dish them back Putin... out and have them kicking up the funds to him. You explained it at the start. That no, Putin was the the godfather in that scenario, and Roman Abramovich kicked up to Putin. He was given contracts. When he was young, pretty young for a guy. I think he was like 29, 30 when he got his, his stake in his steel company. But he was given that contract. Obviously, that's cronyism, that's corruption. But it's still just a steel company. It's not like he's going around profiting off the, I don't know, child labour. or. I don't know where, you've, that's, that's, where you, you've kind of switched because you've acknowledged at the start that it's dirty, it's dirty it's money. It's dirty but, money, but you're saying, all right, well, because he spent it on the community, it's no, not so bad. That's not the point I'm making. I'm trying to just ascertain to, as to why, what your actual issue is. Well, no, I'm saying because the money, he, the he spent it nicely because his entire business is ran on the fact that he needs to be kept in good graces. No, that is, again, completely true. My point is that 
you, your analogy of mugging an old woman and then giving it to someone nice who's the old woman in this scenario because it's just a steel company and it's just all right well if i if i mug a rich old lady and then give the money to a homeless man on the street but but the, he needed he needed that money more than she did who's the mugging victim in this scenario though well that this is the dirty side of the cash we can do it in all sorts of means but this is my point is that everyone is going on about oh this dirty horrible disgusting money it's from a steel and nickel and oil company in russia but and it, doesn't he, have, it, he has the contracts by illegal means but it's not legal technically because it's not our country and it's technically speaking it's immoral but it's not illegal in his country the way he got these that's my point like it's dirty money by our standards yes it's also not actually illegal to hit your hit your wife in russia yeah but in completely immoral it's completely immoral but it's not illegal it's only just become sanctionable. The, the issue really with money about the, the thing with the sanctions is obviously with the invasion of Ukraine, there is for all, and there has been some Chelsea fans who've tried to get into this, but failed with the, his money is directly linked to the invasion. I, his steel company has been producing to do, to make tanks. Yeah. Financially, he's obviously back in Putin. He obviously hasn't come out and condemned him, which speaks volumes as well. As, as you said, he can't, but he does have a relationship with him. So I think at that stage, I think that's where there is a bridge too far where you can say, as that, you touched on, he has to be sanctioned. That's 100%. I agree 100%. But I saying. think that probably makes sense why that you don't necessarily have to sanction him at any point in the last 19 years. Because you say, well, if you didn't like how he acquired his wealth, as I said, you should never let him get in the door in the first place. Yeah. So that's the only problem when the problem arises is because of this Ukraine situation. That's exactly my point. So I can take that completely that all Russians, all the oligarchs should be sanctioned in the UK and across the world for the invasion of Ukraine. The, totally the problem falls that. because then but, when feeling attacked, then they'll go like, uh, oh, well, he doesn't really have that big a relationship with you. And, it, and his company isn't really helping no, he the doesn't. invasion of Ukraine. Or like, oh, look, and he says he's going to dedicate money to the victims of Ukraine without analysing what I he actually straight, means by victims yeah, as well. I, I saw straight through that. Straight there's a, yeah, there's a, need, there's a lot of things need, of people being willfully naive and believing yeah, certain things that they clearly don't really. Exactly. I've tried to put this as the same level of scrutiny that I put on other sides of parties that I don't like in other disagreements. Mm. Um, and yeah. I've done so in... That statement came out as like he's off when with the first one I mean where he said he's stepping back and changing the custodianship of Chelsea Football Club and all profits of the sale will go towards because he knew that was coming because that was what would be in the sanctions. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's like that's why he did that. He didn't do that out of the kindness of his heart. Don't get me wrong. I know that. But my point is is that the the feeling of people want us to be ashamed of our or stripped of our titles. I've seen of some <laughs> of, of the of some people proclaiming some high figures as well proclaiming on twitter and, and mps as well saying this where this has been going on for 20 years it's like like i said just then my point is is that you may not like how he obtained his wealth but it wasn't illegal until the russian invasion of ukraine like that is just how things are done in russia in a post-soviet union era like that they, he didn't go and for someone at gunpoint, they were given to him via cronyism, just like contracts are in the UK. Um, but they're just oh. done a little bit less than a high profile. And like I said, because Putin has gone and invaded, and like I said, he has steel contracts, he has all of that. And he does kick up money to Putin as the oligarchical structure. He deserves to be sanctioned 100%.
I think you need to look at the video that Football Joe have put out interviewing fans outside Stamford Bridge yesterday because I didn't Jack, even want to watch I didn't go yesterday. I had tickets to it. Um, I was supposed to go and take customers through work, but they were revoked <laughs> in line to um, in line with obviously what's going on at the moment. I'm fuming. Yeah. But my mate went and he was texting me that there was literally every news outlet, every media outlet you could think of, social media, um, conventional media, all lined up on the street outside Stamford Bridge because they knew it was going to be an absolute turkey shoot. Because let's be honest, football fans aren't the brightest. <laughs> and I guarantee you they would have interviewed hundreds of people and picked the thickest people they could find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to put <laughs> yeah, the, the reasonable answers weren't making the cuts. There's it's, one it's, on there and he says, um, well, look, they didn't sanction uh, Boris for them parties he was having. Yeah. And he thinks now he can just go around and put this on Roman. And another one saying, look, you don't know if he was going to spend that money for good that he was selling Chelsea for. And so on and on, honestly, so on. Like, th- this, is, this is the issue that we've got at the moment is this Brexit mentality. And I, it, it, for this time, I'm still on the side of open your fucking eyes. This, being, this is corrupt. And you're right. But like, if you look at the Russian interference in into the things like the Brexit referendum, yeah, Cambridge yeah. Analytica and stuff, what it was all gearing up for this moment where they wanted to divide Europe, they wanted to divide America by keeping Trump in, so they could just have everyone divided, everyone fighting amongst themselves whilst they go in and seemingly just take over Ukraine, no problem. Um, but that didn't happen the way they thought out. But this now is Brexiteers does football, which is the, exactly the comments that you just said there of. Oh well, what if he wanted to do it for good? It's like, yeah, but he's not. He's not going to, is it? Oh, this is definitely oh, the most political we've yeah. ever got on here. Dangerous I mean, territory. It's genuinely. It's been. It's been a long time coming for me. <laughs> but honestly, just keep away from the microphone. Stop chanting Abramovich's name during the clap. Chant it afterwards. We can disagree. Probably don't it. do it afterwards. I, I mean, you you probably wouldn't because you'd be get called disgusting by the media. But you can still appreciate the man that gave us everything in my eyes. <laughs> I think that's all perfectly fine. That's true. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Where it, it does feel a bit tricky, and there would be some level of conflict. And uh, this is going to sound a pretty dark comparison, but like people did think Jimmy Savile was like a national treasure, and then they found out that sort of some of the truth. And then you're like, okay, but he's not. And, and it was okay to sort of change that. Now I'm not. I said I'm not saying it's the same sort of gravity. What would the that. podcast be like if he was the owner of Chelsea? And then it came out. <laughs> because, and then there would be a comment, wouldn't there? You'd be like, well, you, know, you give us some good times, but this is this is tricky. So, I, you know, I don't know. He's a rich, like, at the moment, and if something else comes to light, if it changes my opinion, then so be it. That is fine. I'm open to it. But at the moment, he is a Russian who's benefited massively from corruption in his own country, which isn't illegal. Um, but on the flip side of that, he's given me some of the best moments of my entire life with, like I said, some of the best people in my life that I will remember forever. Now, there's a part of me... Like Liverpool fans can, celebrating Suarez. Yeah, that can still differentiate from the fact that he's got the biggest steel and nickel companies in Russia that he's probably going to have government contracts that make military weapons. Just like someone who high up at BAE systems in the UK could... Um, invest somewhere in Saudi Arabia or Yemen where they use these systems to blow up people to bits or Afghanistan or the Far East or whatever or the Middle East, sorry 
So I can differentiate between this guy that has got government contracts and the guy that has given me everything I could ever wish for and watch my football team succeed. So it's, it's a very difficult, fine morality line. Like The issues that I've taken with it it's not so much, oh, I don't get why they've got to punish Chelsea fans. You can't buy tickets from a sanctioned club because everything is frozen. You can't be seen to be doing business with any club that is sanctioned. I totally get that. There must be another way around it, which I imagine, like I said, I think it's a big story at the moment. We'll probably get bought out in the next few weeks and it will go back to normal. They're, they're, in- I think they are constantly amending the licence. It's just it has to go through Parliament each time. So your tickets, when you texted me yesterday, I realised I didn't reply. Um, as far as I've read, your tickets for the Arsenal game, for example, should be valid because they're, they're tickets that have already been sold. Yeah. Um, there was some uh, journalist on the Athletic who, big picture thing, they didn't really seem to grasp, and he was like, "Things are really starting to hit home now." Just gone to get a coffee in under 23s game, put my wallet out, and they told me it's free now. We can't accept cash. Very bleak. Yeah, I think think there's probably bigger things at stake here than you don't have to pay for your coffee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to get away from the fact that people are dying in Ukraine. Like, this is such a medial point and a medial argument for me to be making when there is issues such as the death and the war in Ukraine. So we can't trivialize that. But as a a guy that's been going to games more often this season since kind of coming out of lockdown and really made an effort this season to go as much as I possibly can. It is gutting to think that I might not be able to go for a very long time. Who knows how long that period is going to be? So I think there's a human element to this. I can understand why fans are pissed off because they don't have the knowledge or the will to go and read into these things as to why, one, there's, one, why they're sanctioned. Two, what does that mean? This is just the process that we have to go through until we're bought. It's not going to be like this forever, probably. And it, all these... Um, articles coming out saying, oh, Charles, you're 81 days away from financial ruin. It's like, you really, there will be someone that buys us. We're quite an attractive offer when you think of where we are geographically, influence, and how many times we win things. Well, I, I did think the whole thing of uh, people sort of dance on the grave immediately and thinking that they were now done. But, well, they're going to be sold for a huge sum of money. So, whoever's got that is going to be very rich. Yeah, so they're not going back to Ken Bates, do you know what I mean? So the thing that, we that, need to find out about is um, yeah. the, the thing is whether... So Roman can't now say, okay, don't worry about that one and a half billion. I don't want that back because the government have now seized that asset and that asset is and that debt is attached to the business. As far as I've read and I've done my best to try and read as much as I can on it, the, the, someone is buying the business knowing that debt is in there it's just how that debt is repaid is it repaid to the government is it repaid to the holding company or how is that done but so, it's not as simple as roman simply saying don't worry about it because there's tax implications of him just saying don't worry about it like no. it's very hard to do mm-hmm. levy supposedly was ready to uh file a suit if uh roman did do that so uh <laughs> Spurs, as always he's on it he's getting their oar in so I've done a bit of research into it, and if it's a government seizure of the asset, they can either insolve that or seize the asset without the debt, and the person who the debt who is indebted um, misses out on the money. And if he's a sanctioned individual, then he will also do so. So if a government seizes the asset, they can see, like, for example, the, the way I've heard it explained is there's an empty glass on the table um, with the dregs in it, if you pick up the glass in your hand, empty out the dregs, that is now your glass, but the debt was the liquid and it's okay. 
been absolved. Is, that, is there a that's, part that's, of you, if we were being decision. cynical, the government has lost a lot of money in the last however many years. They could probably do with an extra one and a half billion coming in and they aren't probably too fussed where that comes from. So The, th the thing is, though, it's still a public listed company and the way a PLC works is shareholders, obviously. So the government will never have full control. You'll just have the control in stake of what Brambridge is worth. And at the moment, it's still frozen. It's not seized. So the yeah. government don't own anything yet. So it's a seized asset that's been auctioned off or sold off to a bidder. So it's a government-controlled sale, not a seized asset currently. Yeah, I think um, a lot also more about fascinated, this. fascinated by the idea that our government are going to oversee the deal. Like they have either the authority or the... Yeah, uh, and they, they've... Well, Granada Sky is still themselves. involved. Um, or, or they're saying that whenever a new owner comes in, she's probably going to have to be got rid of because of how close she is to Roman. So it's it's a very <laughs> tricky situation that yeah, I'm sure yeah. will develop. Um, I think, I mean, I can't imagine this will be the last time we touch on it uh, for the next couple of weeks. So as and when significant things happen, uh, we'll get back into it again. We mentioned Spurs earlier. We mentioned United and Ronaldo in particular earlier. A surprisingly good game with these two teams involved uh, on Saturday night. As an Arsenal fan, I was hoping for a draw or a United win. Felt inevitable that United would win, uh, that Spurs would win, sorry, when you looked at the absentees. Um, was this a case of Ronaldo rolling back the years or was this more a case of Spurs kind of doing as they've done throughout the entire season? I mean, people were very impressed about a hat-trick against Spurs. I mean, I didn't realise that was the separator and the GOAT thing. So take everything away. <laughs> the hat-trick against Spurs, right, that's the one. It's, everything else Ronaldo's done in his career, second notice, hat-trick against Spurs. Uh, I don't doubt that he can do that in a game like this. But what, what will he do for the remaining, how many games we've got left, 10? Yeah, what well, his two best games this season have now been probably against us. At Old Trafford and against Spurs, two mm. big games for for them this season. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that he can do it. But what is he going to do for the next ten games or whatever? It's, that would be my question. And he shouldn't have to, by the way. Obviously, he's thirty-seven years old. Yeah, but that's you know he's he's kind of it's kind of like LeBron can give you a big night now, but he's not going to do it every night, right? It's he's doing it more often than Ronaldo is, to be fair. He certainly is. Yeah, yeah, but um. Uh, that's really it. It's kind of it's not, it's not taking a shot at Ronaldo. It's just going well. I know he's still got it in his in his locker sometimes. Just what's he going to do for the for the majority of the games? Someone it probably is worth taking a shot at, and there's several of them. These uh, United legends that every time Ronaldo does something good, they tweet out almost instantly. And I'm looking at Rio Ferdinand in particular. <laughs> but I thought he was the problem. I thought he was the problem. What you're saying now, and it, but when. Things aren't going well. There's crickets. And yep. then every time he pops up with a tap-in or whatever it is, he obviously did have a very good game yeah. on a yeah, Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, I think we said last week, didn't we, the ultimate conclusion without doing the usual uh, loop around, at least a reach around then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> out of a very different podcast. Um, is uh, They are probably better within there, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're good. It just means a team that doesn't score goals could probably do with him up top. Um, I think you probably saw 
everything we knew about United and everything we knew of Spurs, in a nutshell, the Ronaldo strike to open up, very good. At the same time, Eric Dyer puts his hands behind his back and backs off after Ronaldo's just laid the ball off, which feels like you should probably know what he's doing there. And he's not sprinting past you anymore, so probably close this guy down. Um, (laughs) United also at the other end, when you look at the list of teams that Spurs have beaten and the teams they've lost to this season, effectively, if you stay in and you're compact, you've got a far greater chance of beating them than if you make it an open, free-flowing game. Frank Lampard didn't get that memo, unfortunately. But (laughs) United seemingly didn't either, but just a poor game from Son in particular, and Kane didn't cover himself in glory. Um, Yeah, it's probably one of those good games where the overriding quality is very poor outside of Ronaldo. Sorry, I just uh, I just dipped out there. What did you say at the end of there? So pretty much it was a game that was a good to watch, but the overriding quality was fairly poor outside of Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I thought it was, a, it was a poor quality game. I think Neville said it in the post-game stuff as well. Two, uh, two teams kind of competing to be poorer than the other, wasn't it, really? I thought um, I thought Fred was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Slyly, his performances have been picking up. Yeah, he he was great, and uh, he was bang unlucky that Ronaldo's Ronaldo because he probably gets man of the match and gets some of the plaudits. But instead, we're obviously talking about Ronaldo's hat trick because we should be. Yeah, I saw him being compared to Gilberto Silva post game, which felt very oh, disrespectful. Um, they just said, "Look, because you're Brazilian, people expect you to play a certain way, and then you often get criticised because you don't play that way." And it's like, look, I'm not sure that's why Fred's been getting howlers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If he was doing the the dirty work well, you'd go, "Okay, he's." this type of player as it is he's just playing terribly yeah if we were to kind of go over and um say you were doing it where there's like uh kind of markers you've put on the game spurs conceding as quickly afterwards as they've got back into the game just again kind of sums up their season with an inability to take control of a tie that was a killer wasn't it like i know it's on the shoulder of offside and put the blame on Reggion for stepping up. Um, or not stepping up, sorry. But yeah, it's, Sancho and Ronaldo caused them issues all game. And so to not be in line with the guy who's causing you all sorts of trouble is just inconceivable. And then to get yourself back into the game for a second time with, and there's some ambiguity around that offside rule. I think there was an issue with the Leeds game yesterday wasn't there where mm. the defender heads the ball away where if he'd left it the striker's offside but Romero doing that to Maguire we spoke about the shushing uh, with Chelsea in the League Cup with Conte against Southampton when you're a team that's struggling and whether he <laughs> believes in football and karma or not there's just no need is there like screaming in Maguire's face after he's just spooned the ball in for an own goal you should be trying to get a winner rather than worrying about him because that's always going to come back to haunt you. Always. Yeah, you have to win if you do it, don't you? If you do it, you have to win. You can't uh, go and do what they did. And for that reason, you'd probably never do it as a Spurs player because you'd never be that confident. He, he's he been a bastard all season, though. Like the previous week <laughs> um, when they beat Everton on Monday, 
all of the players put their Instagram stories up and it's them celebrating the goals. It's them winning a header. And his, he put up a story and it's him arguing with the referee while there's an Everton player like collapsing a heap on the floor in the background. Christ. And he's clearly trying to live up to this. Look, I'm, I'm a South American hard man and I can do this. Worry about the defending first because there's two defenders there, but ultimately we're going to run with the narrative. He lost his man for the goal with Ronaldo. And if you're a Spurs player, there's probably one man at that set piece that you're really keeping an eye on. And yes. seemingly that guy's got a running leap <laughs> to score. Yeah, Romero left um, Doherty to deal with him. But like, well, not you. You're supposed to be taking on the number one assignment. So it's you. Don't believe it for Doherty to deal with. So yeah, yeah it's instant karma. Their fans have been trying to run a Romero Ben White narrative all season. Um, I, I think, think Romero is good. I don't think this was a good example. I think he's good, but he hasn't had uh, enough games for them either. All, for all, a center half, you need him to play it. Every time I see him, uh, and yeah, I, I'm not writing him off as not being a good defender, but he seems so desperate to always make a big challenge. Like ones where he can nip ahead and poke the ball away. He's trying to smash through the player because I guess that's the defender he's trying to beat. But in, in the Premier League, there's there's too many tricky people around. Like You're going to get found out with that. And you can't always try and make everything a big action. In this league, no. probably Van Dijk, there's more focus on him because of who he is. The best defenders are the ones that really, you don't want to hear their name too often in the game. Because if you're hearing someone's a defender's name often in the Premier League, it's never good. The defenders' names we hear the most are what? Harry Maguire. We had a phase where it was John Stones. These kind of defenders, David Luiz. One of the best, one of the best examples was Wan Bissaka at Palace, getting all sorts of props. It, was, it tended to be because it was a last ditch yeah. tackle, slide tackle, whatever it is. But that indicates that they're under the cosh or he's out of position. That's not necessarily a good quality to have in a defender, but because on face value it looks like he's doing a really good job, people make out like he's an unbelievable defender. Yeah. Um. On the basis of, of watching those two yesterday and. I do want to have a little mention on Arsenal, but I don't want to swing it around too much. Did anything you saw from either of those two teams impact the way you see this race for the top four? Whether it's it United and... It did impact it. It made me even more sure that Arsenal are definitely going to beat them to it. <laughs> I, these two teams are poor. Poor teams, considering the, the personnel that they do have available in parts of the team. Yeah. Poor, poor teams. I... I agree. I think I'd look a lot more favourably if your games in hand weren't against the teams that they are against. Mm. Um, but I still back both United and Spurs to drop more points than you. Jack, um, you know Spurs haven't won two games in a row since the 29th of December last year. Fucking hell. That's bad. <laughs> I mean, I know their latest one has been win-loss, 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 yeah. win-loss. Win, I can't believe so, we're not further ahead of them, to be honest. Yeah, I, that's yeah. the only thing that's the shocking part here. I think... I just we, don't... we got 28 points from our last 30. You've been In a form team. Incredible run, yeah. really. Yeah, they're, they're, it, there is always the worry with them, and that was kind of the reason I just didn't want Spurs to win yesterday was... There is still the sense, and whether we're applying it to the kind of on his day Paul Pogba kind of thing, that there is a sense that this Spurs team could click and go on some kind of run because we've seen performances from them where it's like, okay, there is a team here. Hmm. Um, 
So just keeping them again from getting any kind of run together was important. United, a better team than uh, Spurs and Liverpool's an easy comparison to make because of just how lethal they are. But a better team than Spurs could have put four or five past them to go in with the uh, two that they did concede. It'd be interesting for them though because they've obviously got Atletico tomorrow. If they can yeah. get through that, they've just got a big late win against Spurs and they're through to the quarterfinals of yep. the Champions League. And you can kind of you can get some momentum off that if nothing else. Even if the performances don't convince, you can kind of uh, psychologically, I guess, they can start convincing themselves that actually we are off about it. They've both got to go to um, Anfield still, haven't they? Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. Um, as long as as long as you don't make it a pinball game like you did with Spurs last time. Um, it's been half our games. That's the problem. We, we just seem to choose violence sometimes. Yeah, I do have a couple of questions on Arsenal. I, I did either of you watch the game yesterday? Uh, I just caught the highlights. Okay. Um, I listened. I listened to it on the radio when I was bored in my loft. How? Oh, okay. <laughs> so you might not be able to answer the questions I, I, I was going to ask. I did. That, watch, uh, I did watch the highlights as well, though. So. Yeah. That, well, that was the main question. Was in the ground. Obviously, it feels a lot more tense than it perhaps should be. But the reaction I seemed to be getting was that it felt quite controlled by us and I did see a big difference from the Watford game in the, again we made that a pinball game um, after going 2-0 up I, I can't really remember a clear cut chance that a Leicester striker had I don't know if, if either of you know if they explained whether there were injuries because seeing the team line up and they're making several changes at the Emirates um, and developing it uh, in the break this season but the phone signal there is, is near impossible. So nice. I was trying to look for Chielemans on the pitch and I couldn't see him. And I text TK and I text Keenan to say like, is Chielemans playing? Because I can't see him anywhere. And I knew Vardy was injured, but seeing Daka was benched as well, seeing Ndidi was benched as well, it, I wasn't sure <laughs> what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started really, really horrible, horrible defending from them party nicks in for a easy header and a guy that takes so many shots from long range to now have two goals to his name and they're both close range headers <laughs> with about 15 minutes left in the first half it was pretty much all Leicester Ramsdale made a very good save from Harvey Barnes who seemingly has Cedric on toast all game but they just stopped trying to get the ball to him which was strange um but yeah, I was going to say the comparison of the level of control in the second half compared to when we were two goals up against Watford was just night and day. And I know in the studio after the game, they were doing the Ramsdale-Pickford debate again. And really? Yeah. The, the save from Harvey Barnes is it's one where if he lets it in, he may get some criticism, but uh, he always makes his saves look nice anyway. But it in a I mean, moment where we're under pressure, it's a very good save. Yeah, I think it's exactly how you just posed it. I think it's a save he has to make, and most keepers make that save anyway. And I honestly, I think there's a bit of sensationalism when it comes around Aaron Ramsey and his saves, but since the Ramsdale, Ram, yeah, Ramsey, yeah. Sorry. Um, especially after that Leicester free kick save earlier in the year, I think October, um, which was a brilliant save. But since then, everything's a brilliant save with him. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird because well, I was listening to it on the radio yesterday and it said, that is one of the greatest saves you will ever see. 
it it and felt I was right behind it, and it did, it did feel very good. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong, when it's in real time and you're there, it's a completely different proposition. But when you watch a boat and think, you know what, Th- that's the save most keepers yeah, make. It didn't look as good when I saw the replay of it, and I was that was the first thing I did when I got out of the ground was, let me see that save again. <laughs> yeah. And then wish he hadn't. Well, even then, it's, it's still... It's I mean, still a the good thing save, with him yeah. is, yeah. as you say, there there is... You had it. I would probably compare the focus on him to would you say someone like Connor Cody last year, where the fact he's so good in interviews does mean there's more of a focus on him. The pundits want to keep the kind of the microscope on him because I guess he's a fun player to analyze, mm. and he does have a lot of big moments. Um, the Probably Pickford debate is an interesting one because, as Mika Richards kept saying, but he's not done anything wrong for England, and it's all. Like, oh, when you only have that many games, then surely we'll just never change our team. As long as we aren't yeah, losing games, yeah, we'll just never it. change it. It, would, it I, wouldn't stack up, would it? No, and I'm obviously far closer to the situation, but I'd feel so much safer watching an England game with Ramsdale in the net than I would with Pickford, because with Pickford, you are kind of just waiting for what mistake is he going to make. He is that guy. But on the same token, I've seen Ramsdale make similar mistakes, like coming out too soon, diving too early, committing way too fast. I don't. He's not the finished article yet. And Jordan Pickford, whether you analyse him, if you think he makes mistakes or not, he's never really let England down, ever. But this, yeah. then, well, then we'll just never change it in that case. Well, yeah, we'll change it until he does start letting us down. That's how football but he has made he has made mistakes for England. It's just, particularly, he hasn't been the one that's making them... Uh, he's not made the horrible ones because he does have someone like John Stones or Maguire in front of him. Because by by this metric, well, well let's start Maguire at the World Cup because he's not making mistakes for England. Yeah, Shaw would have to start, you know, yeah. Sterling's in, and no matter what's going on at City. And it's, at it's what very, point do you draw the line? I know it's slightly different with goalies, I know, but and Ramsdale there does has, come a point where form does something yeah. and just, it becomes so good that you go, right, well... This has that, the change has to happen. That that is true. I mean, you can't go out there and say that Jordan Pickford is ripping up the league. He's basically in the relegation zone. So that, that Sun one that went through him on Monday night was mm. horrific. And that the, he, the he interesting had... thing is, though, a lot of Everton fans do go out to bat for Pickford as well, though, in the sense that they're saying like, "Look, he's playing well for us." Funny, you watch some of the highlights, you think, like, "I'm not sure I'm seeing that," but they're well, adamant. That he is not just from a point of it's they want to play of, for England, that they seem that, pretty happy with it. Ramsdale got player of the season in the two seasons that he was relegated. Um, so there is certainly something to be said for that. But also, one of the things, and it gets brought up all the time when we signed him, was Arteta said that one of the things he asked the scouting department for was he wanted the 10 minutes after every goal or mistake that Ramsdale had made throughout the season and they had them analyze that to see how he reacted to those kind of issues and when you look at our season when he has made mistakes he tends to rebound from it pretty well even if it's something as simple as if your passing is going wrong then maybe for the next 10 minutes we go long and we don't put ourselves in a position where we're going to make that mistake again um Leicester yesterday should have been a far trickier game than it was but um yeah, something feels like it's clicked. Erdegaard, if you can just watch. I watched. I watched a thing of his. Yeah, I watched a thing of his over the weekend. Very, very good. Uh, yeah, there were points yesterday where um, 
he was laughing while running after he was going around <laughs> because it was just so easy. Um, we were saying about the pressure when the crowd starts laying and you probably don't want to be that guy that then gives the ball away. <laughs> and he just started rolling it through people's legs and then just spraying these diagonals. And if Lacazette um, wasn't carrying a dump truck behind him, there was a point at the end where we kept possession for about two minutes and then he dinked one through to him and it, it should have been like jog yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff, but he doesn't have it there. But I think I saw a stat where we can average, and I know it's hard to kind of quantify this kind of thing. We need to average now about one and a half points per game to the end of the season. And that would take us to 70 points. Um, both United and Spurs, at the rate they're going, need to average over two points a game to the end of the season to get to finish ahead of us by the same margins. Which, the way they're playing... They're not doing that. ...is very bad. Um, I think the most important thing, and I said I wouldn't spend too long on Arsenal, but I'm just quite pumped up, <laughs> um, <laughs> is those games in hand now against Spurs, Liverpool and Chelsea. Now, I don't want to go into those games and that is how I feel when we play Liverpool in terms of just writing them off. But those games are no longer as important as long as we keep doing what we're doing in the other matches. Like, they're effectively... Some, somewhat more of a free hit. Yeah. Um, the, the Spurs one, probably not. No, 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 no. But Liverpool tomorrow, I hope the wheels don't fall off um, if we have a bad result, which does... You, you don't tend to sneak past us. It tends to be we're either having a nil-nil or you're putting about four past us. Mm. Um, but yeah, I hope these things uh, are kind of held in perspective. But the the atmosphere has been very good this season at the Emirates, so hopefully that I does don't, some kind I don't, of job. I know that it's kind of the form you're in. I don't really see us giving you a hiding. I think even if we were to get through it, I don't think it's going to be that no. sort of game. I just think the way you're playing as a structure and a... Like you said, something's definitely clicked. Yeah. It seems that even the way you're passing the ball is just different. Salah didn't is, train man. today, by the way. Um, that doesn't mean he won't play, but he didn't train today. Um, the formation we play now, we have party in a kind of holding six, and then you've got Xhaka as a left eight, um, and you've got uh, Erdegaard as a right eight. Um, and they kind of move in there. And so the half spaces, we do drop in very well, but there are gaps. And there was a point yesterday where me and my uncle both kind of said, if we were playing Liverpool, we probably wouldn't be able to take this many chances. So it'll be interesting to see how we adapt. I'd go five at the back on Wednesday and say, look, I don't care about how it looks. This is the way to beat Liverpool. You don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Okay. But I can't necessarily see them doing that. I don't know if you go for the Rob Holding cheat code or not. <laughs> There's a point, I don't know if you saw the, the video I sent, Jack's will be back in a second, um, where they're doing like a FIFA thing with Ramsdale and Holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're comparing their cards and Holding's gone up two bits from last season and Ramsdale's gone down one. And Ramsdale says to Holding, and ask the hair transplant. You see these yeah. ratings are only about looks. <laughs> holding comes straight back and, wow, you're going down one. That's the back-to-back -back relegations. <laughs> That's what that'll do for you. But they joked Please, in there, boys. they said about the shooting stats and who's the best finisher at the club. The most shocking thing, they said you're buzzing if you've got Eddie on your team in training because you're just guaranteed a win, which I don't know if there's a different Eddie. 
uh, Ramsdale said, I can tell you he isn't the best shooter in a club, and that's Thomas Party. He's just <laughs> cracking up to himself. Everyone is buttering the party because <laughs> he can't strike a ball. Guy. The interview after the game yesterday, because um, he, he hit the post with a peach yesterday as well, Party. Erdegaard said to him, you could have had that trick. And then they did the kind of what they've very clearly been briefed to say, look, one game at a time. We're not, we're not getting too far ahead <laughs> of ourselves. One game at a time. Um, last thing then, um, if, if Jack comes back, because I'm sure he has an interest. Tom Brady announced yesterday that he is returning to the NFL for at least one more season. He said he's taken some time to reflect in, what is it, 40 days? Um, <laughs> and he misses his team and he, he's not ready to hang it up yet. So the memes, if you've been on Twitter today, he's been getting cooked. People have said Rightly so. he, he's met his wife and kids for the first time and said, you know what, I've had, <laughs> I've had enough of this. Get, get me back in camp. Someone said, I don't know what Giselle's like at home to the point where Brady would rather be speared into the ground by Aaron Donald again next season. Um, all sorts of these things. Is it very much for you a case of I'm not going out like that? It feels like it, doesn't it? The whole retirement thing felt like it wasn't his idea to begin with, though, didn't it? Um it's very strange. I don't know why he did it. If it was someone else, you'd say it was all about attention. If Rogers had done this, we'd say he was just being a diva. He was looking for attention. So I don't know why Brady's done it. Is is there a part of you that maybe thinks if he'd been able to announce his retirement himself without someone else jumping in, then maybe he'd have stayed retired, but he just didn't like the way it was handled. He's a, he's a guy who... I'm sure he didn't, yeah. He, he didn't get to have his own moment. And so I wonder if maybe he just resents that being taken away from him. So he resents it so much he's going to have another year of football. I mean, he is that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. <to be> like. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think there's a, a degree of... It felt like the wrong time to step away from the table anyway. And that, okay, this isn't peak Brady, but it's not. He's not terrible. It's not that we haven't seen a huge drop-off. He's still one of the best. 45, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's just had an unbelievable year. He threw 50 touchdowns or something crazy. So yeah, he's, if Rogers isn't in the league, he probably is getting MVP. Yeah, he's getting the MVP. I was half surprised he didn't just for the story, if nothing else. And um, and his whole thing was that he said he wanted to play until he's 45. Now he turns 45 this year, I believe, is the, is the thing. So I, I always felt it was a bit of a weird... The whole announcement was odd. So it's probably not that surprising he's coming back, but it just you just wonder why he did it in the first place. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe he did need the time away to kind of. Yeah, know maybe I should just take it at face value and just go. Yeah, he, once I started like looking at retirement, I realised no, I don't fancy this at all. Have you ever done it where maybe you're deciding between two films to watch and you say you'll flip a coin to, and then you flip the coin and then you realise actually I, I would have rather watch that other film. Um. And maybe it's something like that where until he had it put to him, okay, you're not going through any of this anymore. It only then sunk in. I imagine the idea of, look, you're being hailed as still the greatest player to ever play the game. This isn't a bad time way to go out because to be honest, he could go out far more whimsically this year. Um, the Bucks yeah, did yeah. a lot of moving to bring that squad back this season now he's announced his comeback quick enough that they can still get their free agents back 
but it'll be interesting to see because he could easily go out in the first round of the playoffs, throw two interceptions, and that's it. And then it's like, well, do I want to go out like that? that that's it. And you'd have to kick him back, wouldn't you? So eventually, what, you have to win the Super Bowl to go? That's that's not the way. If he wins, he's just going to keep going until he loses. So there's, there's no real, he's just going to go to these 100. He doesn't feel to me like the guy, because even when we were talking about uh, him having maybe a reduced role, his role wasn't reduced to I can't see him being happy playing a Super Bowl like uh, Peyton Manning no. where it's like you're on the field but are you on the field really I don't think he'd be happy going out like that mm, yeah probably not probably not like him not throwing the touchdowns him not making but the plays and even just he did have Super Bowls that were like that is the thing that you know the one of the was, Rams isn't particularly good. It was one of his early days. It was basically Belichick's, Belichick's system that basically got him it. So it's, I think it's if you're entirely. playing that way with him now, it maybe would hit home a lot more. I don't know. I don't know if you'd have to... I don't think he wants to be at the point where someone's having to have a frank conversation with him and say, we don't feel comfortable or confident enough for you to do these things for us, so we're going to have to go about it this way. Because at the moment, they're not having to do that. No. They're no, not even really playing like they're protecting like a 44-year-old man. No, it just looks like standard <laughs> quarterback, doesn't it? Yeah, it's insane. The um, it, That's the tricky balance of him, though, because everyone wants to go out on top, in theory, but in reality, no one wants to go out on top because you, as long as you've got a bit to give, you go, oh, well, I've got another year in me. Yeah, I don't want to be going out now. And so he's going he's gonna to be finding in that position. If he has another good year now, you're going to have this exact same problem next year. You're going to go, well, you're still going, so what's the problem? There's, but there's... if he does have a drop-off, then you're going to go, I don't really want to go out on, on a, like you said, on a whimper. It's hard like yeah. he went out on a whimper this time, in a, in a narrow no. game with the Rams. That's it's what not, I mean. It's not bad, is it? There's another suggestion that maybe he's seen Russell Wilson leave the NFC. He's seen how weak the quarterbacks are that are supposedly coming through and feels that maybe where previously he would have felt he is having to turn it in. Maybe there is more of an opening than he's seen previously. I don't think he's going to be terrified by what he's seen from Aaron Rodgers last season in the playoffs. Um, so maybe he does just feel like, okay, there's more of an opening that I didn't know was there previously. I mean, just like him going back there, if they get some of the gang back together, outside of the Rams, they're probably the favourites in the NFC instantly. Probably between them and the Niners, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the Rams, so... You could, he actually, you know, he absolutely would have that sort of mentality. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely. Um, an it's fun, though, isn't it? It's good fun, if nothing else. It's a fun storyline. Yeah. Uh, are you there, Jack? Yeah, still here. See, Brady announced his comeback last night. Well, come, come back, yeah. whether he went away or not. Yeah. Um, does that give you any further inclination? Because you tuned in some of the playoffs this year, didn't you? Would that be something that would maybe make you watch more yeah i think so i mean like i said when i was i was really into kind of nfl back when i was in secondary school um and patriots were my team and brady was like the guy that got me into it just because he was just so interesting to watch remember i think one of the seasons got injured for matt cat and matt castle came in when he had that horrible neck and knee injury um but i would continue watching games for especially bucket buccaneers games just for watching tom brady is gronk still there 
Well, uh, yeah, we think he'll come back again. Yeah. He's hinging it on Brady. So, yeah, you, you, he's effectively you, said, hasn't he? Like he won't play for another quarterback again. That isn't Tom yeah. Brady. But just so, some pressure. <laughs> you'd watch it. You'd watch it just for that. I mean, the Bengals' run last season was just unreal, and I really like this season. I've got really behind that. Yeah. This is just another reason for. We all did, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it's one of those where I wouldn't again be surprised if the NFL hadn't just given him loads of money as an organisation to come back for one more season because just the hype around it, the viewing figures, etc. I reckon there's something to be gained there from a commercial perspective. Someone said he he saw Ronaldo score a hat-trick against Spurs and was like, you know what? Maybe I can still do it. <laughs> I was thinking this. Thinking, and that, someone that tweeted word. like, someone needs to tell him like, not everyone's Spurs. Like, this doesn't happen every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I was thinking like that. That chat they had on the pitch. One, you see Ronaldo refer to himself as the goat, which yeah, yeah. is isn't a good look. And then I'd love to see what happened when he invited him over to stay at his house over the summer for to see it, see the sights in America. His tweet that awkward was, comes, oh, yeah. I've got plans for the summer. Sorry, yeah, I can't. can't, can't all summer, it, all summer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. His tweet was the most American thing ever, where he said, "Yeah, yeah." Look, Harry Kane, I'll be I may give a fist pump today if you score, but other than that, I'm all I'm all for United. Come on the Reds. Yeah, short of saying I've got my United jersey with me. He, was, <laughs> he couldn't have been. They had on on the way down to the game on Sunday, they had a whole segment about the stigma surrounding Americans in football. And they were quoting people like uh Bob Bradley was given a hard time, and I think it was Claudio Reyna that they had on and he said yeah. I mean in fairness I'm not sure he's the best example to go by because if you look at his record um, yeah, yeah, it's not like he was being criticised just because he's American just and Warlock was on there and he's like oh you know what yeah that is a good point <laughs> yeah in fairness <laughs> go, going to Stephen Warlock for an educated point is a tough one but they're saying like Jesse Marsh is just going to get so much more sticks he's American and if he I came think- in that is an interesting angle. I, th- I think it is an issue in terms of you could have someone who's a good coach. He might well be. Did all right at Salzburg. He said, uh, yeah. and he he would just by his accent would be dismissed do, by a lot of people. I find it so strange that I was thinking, like, well, how would I react to an American coach? And there could be genuinely Jesse March, a Bundesliga and Premier League standard coach, telling me to do something. I could genuinely second guess him because of his accent. Yeah, you'd think, I think I know a bit more than this guy. Yeah. He's a yank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I genuinely, no matter how wrong I would be for thinking that, I think I would still think it. Yeah. Ian Wright on Match of Day 2 said he asked um, his son Bradley, who played under Jesse Marsh, and he said he's brilliant. He said his man management is great. The drills he does, he gets really involved in the training. And someone, I can't think who it was, said on the radio yesterday, they said, we talk about kind of acceptance in the women's game. Um, we need to get to a point where an American player or manager comes over here and the first question we ask them isn't whether they're going to stop calling it soccer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good point. But yeah, I mean, certainly very highly thought of. They're also unlucky, the the Ted Lasso thing. They're unlucky that exists because it's so cheap. (laughs) The narrative switch on that, by the way, because I remember the trailers coming out, and I, I can say I've not watched any of it. Um, I remember the trailers coming out, and the general consensus was, this looks like maybe the worst programme to ever be on television. Um, and then... That's there's huge, just, isn't it? Huge. Yeah, there seems to be a switch where people are like, 
actually, this is very good. And it wasn't just mm. Americans. Like, and I, I do need to be careful. Like, 60% of our listenership is American. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I'm saying things like very American. But, um, yeah, there just seemed to be a switch almost overnight with that. Where people, it's like they just tuned in to say, like, oh, look, how bad is this going to be? And I went, oh, actually, no, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it first was like a couple of, like, I think it started as like a couple of YouTube skits, didn't it? And then moved into a TV show. I remember them doing... Yeah, I think it was an Amazon advert or something. Yeah, because he did it. I'm working with the Tottenham Hotspurs. And he, he did a thing with, with um, like Bale and a few of them, which was a, a good, again, a good funny little uh, clip. Yeah. I thought as, as a whole TV series, didn't know how it was. As you said, I haven't actually watched it, but I'm a, I'm aware of yeah. his sort of space... And the fact that, as a result, every American coach is just going to be called that for the foreseeable until yeah. they do something probably pretty good. Yeah, March is probably unlucky that it didn't work out with Leipzig. Yeah, I remember he was starting to get a bit of traction at Salzburg around because we obviously got them in the uh, in the Champions League groups, and he was starting to get a bit of talk about him then. And obviously, just because he probably stalled a little bit at Leipzig, but we'll you see trust their eyes as well, Salzburg. Whether they tell you it's like a new talent coming through or a manager. I think at this point you trust their track record. You, like, you go with it, don't you? Yeah. Um, before we close out today, if we just talk about the boxing, Jack, I don't know if you watched that or if uh, we bid you farewell here. Yeah, farewell, boys. All right, yeah. adios. Good luck at the races this week and ensure you're tuning in to Rory's Racing Picks daily. I'll, ma- I'll make sure I do. Adios. All right, TK, so... Just to close out, we tuned in for the boxing on Saturday night. Eventually, we got there for Mick Conlon against Lee Wood. Now, I don't know what your expectations were going in, but I can imagine they certainly weren't in line <laughs> with what we got. Absolutely not, no. No, I was, you know, semi-excited for it because I, I liked that they'd, they'd been going a bit back and forth and I thought, yeah. okay, we got, we got something there and as I messaged in the build-up to it, it did feel like a very budget Brampton Quig sort of setup yeah. going to it. So I thought that'll be that'll be fun. What we got was unbelievable. It's amazing what can happen when um, you lose a purse bid, but you still do actually go all in with the promotion in with uh, <laughs> Conlon there. Very um, good. Maybe there's yeah, something to learn a bit from this. Uh, have we apologised on air yet? Actually, for our prediction for Fury White. Uh, I don't know if we officially have. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, if if, <laughs> if anyone is waiting for us to mention that, we won't gloss over it. Um, we're a little out with the predictions uh, about the the ticket sales. Um, you can't be right all the time. Um, fair play to them. Only about shame. three times more gone than I thought. So. Yeah, just a shame it has to be going to those two individuals. But uh, yeah, we'll save that for another day. Uh, the fight starts obviously the narrative surrounding it whether you believe that to be accurate or not seem to be we've got a banger in Lee Wood and we've got a guy who's a very good boxer and it was uh, he wasn't being sold as having no power but it was very much this guy wins on points or this guy wins by knockout boxer puncher was yeah. the sale wasn't it yeah um, first round gets going it's a lively start and then mm. Lee Wood is just dropped by a hammer to the point yeah. where, for a start, I didn't think he'd get up. And then secondly, if there was any time left in the round, he's not being allowed to continue. Like, he was out on his feet, and they effectively said, you can carry on because 
it's a bad look, isn't it, if you stop someone there when they do have a minute to recover, despite being within your like realms to do so. Yeah, and, and we probably would have got a painful sort of uh, well, at least he did it too soon and too late thing, which which really kind of goes against the entire thing of boxing, really, if we're totally honest. So, yeah, as you said, if it had been if Connor had even had two seconds to get to grips with him, I think he would have at the very least just stopped him against the ropes, wouldn't he? I think because he would yeah. wouldn't have been able to defend himself. His his chin before we even get on to kind of as the fight progressing freakish like there was no there was he had no right to still be in the fight with some of the no. shots he was taking because it's not like uh, uh an example maybe Paulie Malinacci Sam Eggington where okay you've landed like six shots on the buzzer with no reply but at the same time like we've seen that this guy can hurt you so these shots shouldn't be just bouncing off your head and also um, it was that same big left that put floor yeah. Now, I'm not saying he landed one quite as clean as that, but he's landed a lot of like, wood. <laughs> as amazing as his chin was, his amazing inability to learn, the, look, get out of the way <laughs> of that left hand. I have no idea. He just kept doing it. Um, was incredible, though. I saw a tweet at the end of the third round, and they said, and I'm not calling it like Nostradamus stuff because we all saw it, but they said, now I'm probably getting ahead of myself so we won't get to that stage, but is there a worry that Conlon could have punched himself out here if Wood can then mm. hang around. Um, and I was going to ask you, at what point in the fight did it change for you? And I feel we may have the same answer. Did it change for you from this is kind of a one-sided, whether you call it a lesson or not, to okay, we do actually have a fight here? Uh, I'll be honest, uh, right at the end of the 11th. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I... I... Only in the the whole thing, the, the premise of I understood what they were saying with Conlon was probably put more into the early rounds than he probably expected because he wouldn't have expected to have him on the deck so early, I imagine. So he would have been going at more of a pace than he would have just boxing and moving and doing his usual. But he was still catching wood with the clean shots and he did some great work to the body, which I was thinking if anyone's going to end up slowing down here, it's going to be wood. So, and I wasn't, I didn't think much of a turning of the tide other than the fact that Wood was hanging in there until he heard so, him at the end of the 11th or so, whichever you want, but there was something yeah. there. You, you text me and I did check which round it was. I actually thought it was earlier. It was the end of the 10th. There was a moment where Conlon held on a bit longer than what looked comfortable to the yeah. point where the ref then held him off for 15 seconds, which kind of defeated the point of stopping the holding because if you're holding on to kind of get your breath back then telling him off for a further 15 seconds is kind of giving him what he's after <laughs> yeah 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 but it there's a point where you're just holding on and then there's a, a good point, point where actually. this yeah, is a, a bit weird like that you're holding on for this long like i didn't realize he was that tired until then because we've yeah, often complained point, previously haven't we about the oh he's breathing heavier than he was before it's like well yeah we're half an hour into the fight <laughs> yeah, we, yeah 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 Right. So that's the thing. But yeah, the end of there, and whether he still would have come out with the same aggression, but that must have sent a message to Wood like, you've still got a chance here. This guy's struggling, and if his engine and he kept going, so he that must psychologically say, I'm not the one hanging on anymore. Yeah, it's prob that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. And 
and then Wood does acknowledge in his post-fight interview, says that, that once I, it seemed like he had some sort of belief, even whether that he thought it was a slip or not, he thought, all right, I can hurt him. And that was why, obviously, at the start of the 12th, he comes out. He thinks, not only do I need a knockout, he thinks I can actually do this, which maybe just from being hurt in the first round, he, he kind of questioned, I think he did question how much he believed he could win this after being hurt. And it's kind of like round and round, he at least, that started to grow a little bit. And obviously, the, the last round, we got what we got. Yeah. Um, now, if I tell you without context that Ben Davison said round one went exactly as planned. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the cliff. It's a, it's a brutal bit of editing because I think he's yeah. about to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. until, until he goes down. Because yeah. oh. the first two minutes of that round is decent from Lee Wood. He's on the front foot. He's taking the middle. He's, he's taking it to him. Yeah. And then oh. that was a, a peach. I don't think he covered himself in glory again because it's two fights in a row where seemingly you're fighting against your advantages um, until it gets to the end, um, at the end of the fight. Now, I don't know how many people you sent this knockout to. Scary the amount of people that said, it doesn't look like you hit him that hard. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, but then, you know, we, we referenced someone on, on Twitter saying they didn't think he'd even taken a punch full stop, didn't we, then? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the slow so, motion um, it is just very clear, isn't it? Like, one, he's exhausted, and two, he's caught him, like, at what they would probably call the button um, right there on the top of the temple. And Yeah, it was a perfect, perfect storm of him seemingly being knackered, Wood being a decent puncher, and catch him in just the right spot, wasn't it? Because it was working out well, him backing up into the ropes. Like that must have been part of his plan. Um, it was the only success he had, wasn't it? Really, and during most of the fight, it was when he was backing him up. Even Condon seemed quite comfortable doing that. Um, for yeah, I mean, it was, min- it was minimal success. I'm saying, but it was yeah, the only um, thing he could. And it just seemed like the the backing up onto the ropes only does them work if you're kind of countering and spinning off. And at this point whether that was the plan or not, he's backed into the ropes and he just wasn't moving as fast as he was previously. He gets caught banging. The, the exchange that leads him going into the back of the ropes is Lee, land, uh, Lee Wood lands a couple of good shots as well. That's that leads Conlon to properly back up, really back up yeah. for the first time. And I thought that was the first time because people started to say that, oh, well, the fight started to change because they, you know, Conlon was standing and exchanging with it. But in a lot of these rounds, they were right at the end of the round and I thought Conlon was picking the shots when you looked yeah. at it. He was picking he was each shot in the exchanges. exchanges. Yeah, that was it. So, so I was, as much as you might say he's getting dragged into a wall, he's not getting caught much clean with much himself. And he's landed all the clean shots. I was waiting for Wood to get laid out yeah. in those exchanges, honestly. I was I was scoring the fight as I went along. And a lot of the rounds kind of in the middle portion, I thought, were close enough. And then they would exchange at the end of the round. And I was effectively yeah. giving the round to Conlon because yeah, I thought he was picking the nicer shots in those exchanges. Like there would often be a case where Wood was kind of wobbling back to his stall because he'd been caught with a peach right on the bell. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess we can say now that we know he's okay. Um, it is always cool when someone's body just kind of goes limp like that. And then the slump is, it, it is was like, um, yeah, Belly Macabu, where he backs yeah, up onto so, the ropes and he catches him, and your body just kind of just like shuts down, like you're going down on all fours. Especially in this one, where he'd been so dominant, it's, it's even more incredible, isn't it? And how you know Wood been out on his feet. We said the first round, but as you touched on there, 
couple of times where I thought he's going to come out of this round and he can't take any more because his legs look gone by a couple of shots that just on the bell. Yeah, and then so, for so a moment. So able to get out amongst... And then and it sounds... It's a sick thing to acknowledge, isn't it? But we just acknowledge that it's great to see someone slumped. Yeah. It's kind of... The carnage of someone falling out the ring. It's in the, that moment, instantly, there's something crazy about that. Like, oh my God, what am I watching? Now, obviously, this does fl- quickly flick to... Yeah. You're a bit concerned. But in that, you know... If we say five seconds, like, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Well, yeah, one of the one of the plus sides with MMA, and one of the things that I think really does reel people into the UFC is that on at least once a month, I'd say you'll see something where you can genuinely say, "I've never seen that before." Yeah, yeah, and it true. can be something as freakish as I've referenced on here, like someone's toe getting caught in the cage, and them having to then stop the fight because they can't pull them off because the cage is between the skin of their toes and just these freakish things like that or whether it's like a jumping elbow or just anything and i think that's part of the appeal with this i've only ever seen once before someone get knocked out of the ring live and that was uh bernard hopkins against uh, joe smith jr Mm -hmm. where hopkins then does get himself back into the ring i believe um but not quick enough from memory maybe um but yeah, I'd only seen it once before. This was like, we always say, don't you? Uh, you get two kinds of knockouts. The one where you're stunned into silence and the others where you're so shocked that you kind of just let out a noise. <laughs> and like the noise that came out of me when he went out the ring, because it happened so quick. Like I didn't properly in the moment acknowledge how hurt he was backing up into the ropes. No, no, so no, no. it not, seemed not just like a flash. He's out, bang, out the ring. And it was like, what the hell has just happened? And because of... Um what you said about how when he was on the ropes, he was tended to ride the shots well and wasn't really taking anything too clean. I thought even if he's even slightly hurt here, he's just got good instincts and great enough boxing ability that he's just going to carry on doing that. Yeah, it wasn't like, like you saw his jaw swing, like it was no. like bang, bang, get out of here. And then exactly. you, you acknowledged like he's effectively, his head's by his knees at the point where he's then punched out of the ring. No, nothing on Lee Wood. You do what you got to do. Hearn was trying to stick it on the ref after the facts and I think he was trying to maybe absolve some blame because they were fearing the worst I don't know how much quicker the ref can get in there than what he did and I've got no issue with slagging off the British boxing officials No, I'm probably in agreement with you when you look at it, Conlon's clearly out and eats a couple from Wood whilst he's out but that's in the time period that the ref's got to get in there and from Wood's point of view, I don't want to Totally, it sounds like I'm, we're totally absolving it, but in the heat of that, you're just swinging punches. You're not kind of thinking about, yeah, about the guy's safety. I know it sounds bad, but you're not. No, we see so. all the time. If I mean, compare that again with the UFC and yeah. look at somewhere like Bisping Henderson, where he's very clearly out. Off, off him as well. You're effectively told by the refs, you don't stop until I stop you, is yeah. literally what you're told. Um, so he's done nothing wrong there. The The moments after. Now, we've seen it a couple of times in boxing. I, I can't actually think of a direct example to bring up, but we've certainly seen it a few times, haven't we, where you have a somber moment where it's like, oh, God, what has happened here? Well, it happened, it happened with Bellew and Maccabee, didn't it? Where Bellew's being told by Hearn to stop celebrating because, oh, shit, we actually don't know what's happened here. He's not come back to as quick as we'd like. Um. And we've seen I'll tell you, it, one of them was on no way the same scale, but that uh, that Callum Smith knockout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's left the guy trembling, haven't we? 
But you um, were where people were like, oh, God. Yeah, anytime they don't immediately show a replay, it's like, okay. Yeah, if cameras aren't on it, fear the worst, yeah. Um, to, even to the point where um, the following morning, zone actually hadn't put their highlight package up yet of the fight. And they'd put it up for every other fight. So even there, I think they were a bit tentative. I mean, I will confess now. I, and, but I, I'm kind of resolving myself to some blame because people have put it up on Twitter. But yeah. before we really knew Conlon was okay, I looked up a replay and people have put it out there. Yeah, and uh, and some in some cases, some well-known sort of figures were going, "Oh my god, what a knockout!" I was thinking that's quite bold. Yeah, the the level of um, restraint for me was, I'm not going to retweet this yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was it was a tricky thing, wasn't it? Because you were kind of in a spot where this could be one of the most tragic things we've ever seen, or this is one of the most dramatic and incredible yeah. conclusions we've ever seen, and there is going to be nothing in between here. It is literally it solely dependent on if he's okay. It happened so fast. We were in the camp of what the hell just happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Genuine, genuine shock. So, um, in terms of the aftermath, um, Matt Conlon, I've said my opinion on him changed. Well, probably by the end of round one, to be honest. I'd never seen him fight like that. Um, I've spoken to Troy previously, and I'll tell you his response in a second. Um, <laughs> and my response has always been. Look, I keep hearing about how fast you're going to move, and it's the same issue that I had with um, Josh Kelly. Mm. But until you show him it, yeah, until you show him it, I'm not going to believe it. And then he came out and fighting like that, that he did, even to the point of losing, is enough where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be excited to watch your next fight. Just give him a dance partner. Yeah, stock's gone up, hasn't it? Yeah. Perfect example of make a big fight and your stock will go up regardless of. Yeah, his talk of um, rematch. I'll, I'll be very surprised if we get that. I think they. I worry they go straight to a stadium with Lee Wood in Nottingham and do that. When, if anything, just keep doing these nights in that in that little uh, arena in Nottingham because the atmosphere feels ambitious, fantastic. doesn't it? Feels ambitious. The city grounds. How's he going to pull in? Thirty-five thousand at one, thirty, thirty-five thousand. Yeah. At the same time, they'll <laughs> say they haven't been able to do it in God knows how long. Um, and it hasn't really stopped them. To be, they 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 sold the O2 for a Coley Sizlak. Yeah, yeah, you are right. I think they just like saying we're doing stadium fight, but no, that that arena was great. Everything felt packed in. The atmosphere was great, and the crowd actually were very good after they realised what was going on in terms of calming mm. down. Better than Ben Davison was. Still going around, <laughs> winking at people and shadow boxing around. Every, you know, shadow boxing around every house. Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, I mean, he was looking outside the ring you... and he was kind of imitating the punch that Lee Wood had thrown. But it was like, come on, at least just know there's cameras on you. I was going to say, even if you um, have no shame, you'd go well, just for my own sort of PR, if you like. I'll... If Lee Wood can calm himself down. Then so can you, you can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no excuses there because I held nothing against if if Lee would, in not knowing the gravity of the situation, which he wouldn't have, if he carried on for another 20 seconds, I would have held nothing against him. Agreed, yeah, agreed. So, fair, fair play to him. Um, yeah, both of their stocks have gone up massively, haven't they? With this, yeah, I'm in the camp with Lee Wood now where I begrudged them calling it a world title belt. Um, but because I don't see you beating Santa Cruz, and I know that's who they called out post-fight, I'm very much in the just book him with the most fun guy you possibly can. 
Get him and Mauricio Lara. Oh, Christ. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I was amazed that no one was just going, right, just put that straight away because that's just violence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then bear in mind, obviously, we've, we're only a week away from having seen Lara. It's all fresh in everyone's mind as well. Yeah. It, seems, it just <laughs> yeah. seems natural that seems a natural one to me. See, the thing is, clearly in making this fight, and now I know it was mandated, but there's always a way around these things. Um, Hearn didn't see Wood as someone that he needed to protect. He's, I think he saw him as someone that we're going to book the best fight we possibly can. Now that he's won that fight and the stock has gone up... He's I got a bit do, more value. Yeah, I fear it's going to be a case of who's the best guy I can book him to win against. Yeah, you With, might be right. When you're booking, uh, when you were booking Kid Galahad against um, Kiko, now obviously aged like milk. That's what it's that, supposed to be, wasn't it? Yeah, and we've had a number of those. That's what Warrington Lara was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I hope we don't get that kind of matchmaking because if Lee Wood fights like that, no one cares if you lose. No, spot on. And he's and as good as he, he's not like. A... He's not his, his age is not a prospect, and he's not someone you go right. We just want to protect this guy at all costs. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I hope we get a fun match next, but I won't hold my breath. He needs to take a bit of time out, build his stock in the meantime, and then look. We'll wait and see what you get because chasing Santa Cruz feels counterproductive to me when you've just shown what you can build in Nottingham. Yeah. And- Chasing a fight with Santa Cruz is always a, a ropey option in terms of he's got so many sort of options that he's never going to choose Lee Wood probably. So don't go to chasing the whale that you're never going to get. No, exactly. So there we go. I guess that probably just about does us. Um, as I said, plenty of content on the feed this week. We'll have the picks from Rory up where they'll be up for every day of Cheltenham. Movie Madness will come again on Thursday and then we will be back next Monday to hopefully something dramatic happening with Chelsea and uh, we'll see what's happened with the football Arsenal have played Liverpool in that time and uh, I'm sure lots more will have unfolded too so Mm. thanks again for listening we'll be back goodbye